if you're walking around in the African bush in the middle of the summer, I'd, I'd take an inch off my penis if I could, just to save a bit of weight. And be left with nothing? Oh, shit. <laughs> um... <laughs> That was hard for you. I know 10 seconds for you is a long time. It's like an eternity for you to shut up. I actually thought I was asleep. <laughs> um, Dexter. What are you saying, my man? Hey, mate. Hello, mate. Um, first recording ever in my studio. It won't be the first episode, but it'll be the first recording of the new Southwest Studios. Um, well, it's not. It's actually Chris's studio, but <clears throat> we'll call it Southwest Studio. Just this room. Um <laughs> For all of you who are listening to this, Chris is my videographer who sat behind the camera filming everything. You can find him at The Chris Collective on Instagram. Anyway, um, my man. Mm. So for anyone that's outside in the world wondering why I'm recording an episode pre the first episode and a bit confused by it, Dexter over here is moving to Australia that's permanently. Right. On a Sunday afternoon. Yes, when the Cricket World Cup final's on, which is really bad timing, but yeah. You know, if you're gay. Um, so <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say that. <laughs> I am. It's my podcast. I can say what I want. So, yeah, so we kind of, we were originally meant to be filming in a different studio, and then last week, Wednesday, we started building this studio, and now here we are, um, which makes sense, because Chris is the videographer and going to be doing all the editing, so... It's probably best that he films it. So, my man, I'm going to introduce you, how I met you, why you're sat opposite me, what unfortunate circumstances <laughs> made me cross paths with you. So, obviously, pretty much everyone who is watching this or listening to this knows that I'm into bow hunting, and you were a major part in that. So, for everyone else, Dex Accolade-wise, is probably, to me, there's very few men in the country who know more about or love being in the bush with a bow more than Dex. But what separates Dex from most bow hunters is his ability to tune a bow, know his way around a bow, strip a bow, you know, the, the real fine, intricate stuff that no one really does. Yeah. Because most people just strap on a fucking broadhead and go send it at an animal. And as me and you, me and Dex used to speak relentlessly, um, you know, talking fletchings and tuning and all sorts. We, we may up. have had a discussion or two about broadheads. One or two. Yeah. If you're raw, rage is the way for it. <laughs> um, so. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, again, if you're gay. Uh, so, <laughs> basically... What I did when I got to South Africa is I said, like, oh, I want to go hunting with a bow. Somehow stumbled across you because you've got like 50, 50 followers or something. Um, uh, I think it might be 40. Okay, 49. Mm. Probably 52 after this. Um, and yeah, I reached out to you and said, cool, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And we became friends through that. Um, and then I died. I didn't have much choice. <laughs> no, you didn't. To be fair. No, you didn't. There's... I didn't really get a say in it. No, no. Um, so like with anything I do, I kind of delve into it. And, uh, you know, my approach on bow hunting was a very different approach to most people's. Um, and like yourself, you know, we, we both 
I don't have anywhere near the knowledge you have um, and the capability when it comes to the actual bow tuning itself. Um, and I think, you know, that's where I delved into it with you. And also, I don't know who's going to tune my bow now. I can't fly to Australia. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a bit of inconvenience. <laughs> 50,000 rand to tune a bow. It's a pain. It's worth it, though. Yeah, it's, it's worth it's having not. a tuned bow, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And then I'll lose it on the way back in baggage. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's talk. You, you know, you did, what did you do at university? I asked you half an hour ago. Nature conservation. Yeah. So... You know, I know you've been a wild man, as in an outdoors man, for a long, long time. You grew up, I'll let you talk about it, but you know, you grew up and did a lot of rock climbing and kayaking and all that malarkey. Mm. I don't really know, and I've never really asked you when you got into taking animals with a bow and arrow. That's actually a funny story, that. So I'm going to let you, so obviously, where did you grow up? You grew up in wilderness, eh? Wilderness, yeah. Southern Cape. South Africa, yeah. Okay. You've been here your whole life, haven't you? South Africa, yeah. 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 Only been in Johannesburg, say, I think 10 years, a little bit more than that. Okay. Yeah. And growing up, what did you do? Um, well, basically a little bit of everything. But yeah, like you said, I've been in pretty much, like activity-wise, been in the bush my whole life. Grew up hiking with my folks and then got into climbing, motorbikes, kluifing, just like, yeah. What did you just say? Kluifing, yeah. What's that? Canyoneering. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. South Africa, it's kluifing. Hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then things like why bow hunting appealed to me so much. I'll tell you how I got into bow hunting just now, but why um, bow hunting appealed to me so much because of all the time I've spent in the bush, even, say, take hiking, which is the least intrusive. It's like, you know, you... You're not making as much noise. Like, take motorbikes is the most intrusive. You're making a hell of a noise. Is you know, you've got the pollutants and fuels and things, and it's, you know. And um, hiking is the, even compared to climbing, hiking is sort of the most quiet, slow-paced mm. sort of activity. Um, and But even then, you know, you the animals know you there from kilometers away. It's, mm. you're still this obstacle, foreign yeah. obstacle moving across the landscape. And um, bow hunting, the first time I got into, well, I was into walk and stalk right from the get-go. And um, to be in, it basically feels like inside an animal's bedroom mm. without it knowing you're there. Mm. And watching nature like in HD right up in your face, like even even little insects and things mm. and birds. It's cool. You know, it's like having a butterfly come and land on you because it's you're not moving and you're so still and quiet and watching an animal breathe like right up close to you, it's... It's a prime eve. Like That's I always it. say to people, because I'm also heavily into the walk and stalk. We've got a group of guys. All of them will be on this podcast. It's called the Four Musketeers and a Pikey. Obviously, I'm the Pikey. <laughs> um, Richie, who will be episode one, is one of the Musketeers. And we've got Rock and Warren. If you ever hear us refer to Rock and Warren, both also killers out of Fight Fit Militia. Um, Rock's a purple belt. Warren's a black belt. Um, but we're all walk and stalk advocates. Mm. Um, and I always say this is primary, like I'm going into the whole trad bow side of the world now. Um, Cause as hard as compound hunting is, mm. it's still cheating a little bit. Oh, hundred percent. It's still cheating to a certain extent of, I can get to 60, 70, 80 yards and, and take, take a, a shot. shot. Yeah. 
if you're good with a bow in practice. I mean, mm. I shoot every day. You pretty much shoot every day when you can and not off mm. traveling for work. I mean, I normally do. But only, yeah. yeah. And I know Rourke and I know Richie and I know everyone else have shooting most days. And I think that's a big misconception with the bow hunter. And there's two bow hunters. And this is across the globe. I don't think, you know, and we'll talk more about South Africa in a minute because we have, there's such a misconception of South Africa with the foreign nationals, the Europeans, the mm. Americans. But we'll, we'll move on to that later on. But I think there's your two bow hunters. There's the hunter that thinks, cool, it's cool to shoot something out of a hide at 20 yards. I picked up a bow. If they shoot 50 arrows a season, you'll mm. be lucky. Whereas me and you are shooting 20, 30, 40, 50 arrows a day, if we can. Um, and, you know, I get people come to my house and my target's, you know, it's only 50 yards away and I'm shooting at the house. And everyone's like, you know, you get these Afrikaners to come grab some holsters and they're like, why is your target so far? And I'm like, well, see, I don't shoot 20 yards. Yeah, yeah. Which ironically is where I miss animals. Like all my misses and all my mishaps have happened at 20 yards. Okay, out of a hide. Yeah. Yeah. It adds this level of pressure to it that I don't like. Yeah. Um, pretty much everything, not everything, but 95% of stuff I've taken a shot at out in the wild, night walk and stalk is dead. Yeah. And it's at 50, 60, 40, you know, like. Half I definitely the, shoot better at distance. Like, uh, I think you. Get you time. Yeah, you take more time. At 20, you sort of like rush it. But also, the, I mean, you know, I've shot very few animals out of a hide, but like that last one that we went on, mm. I was, it's like, it's just so different. We're sitting and waiting for it because you're not engaged it's the in the process. Yeah, as you're well. not engaged in the process of the stalk and everything. Yes. Your mind's busy. And then all of a sudden, And boom. then you get a shot and then you, you're focused on processes. Where sitting in a hide, it's like you're sitting there and you're sitting and you're sitting and suddenly yeah. it comes in and it's like but that's the thing, you're so, of it coming in. You're so bored. <laughs> you're just sat there with your eyes shut, look up, and there's a fucking 24-inch Impala yeah, yeah. in front of you. Whereas, as you said, there's a, the, you know, Joe Rogan talks about it a lot. Um, and what's his name? The guy who does the shot IQ stuff? Uh, Joel Turner. Joel Turner. Yeah. Um, how the process is. Because when you're engaged in a stalk from such a distance, even if it's 100 yards or it's 300 yards, there's so much you're thinking about you're not even you every your bow is irrelevant move is calculated yeah, your yeah, bow like is irrelevant every single thing yeah yeah the bow's irrelevant yeah. it's just something you're carrying yeah, along yeah. for the process it's a, it's a ball and chain yeah, exactly really. <laughs> it is it's a burden especially in the south african bush so i think you've got your that whole nerves of an animal just turning up's gone mm. because you're instinctively and primevally chasing something and you've been engaged in the process yes, for a long time, time already by the time it gets there yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. you can take hours you yeah, know some yeah. stuff I don't know what your longest talk is. I think mine's up two and a half odd hours. Yeah, that can take a while. Yeah, mm. so I think you you lose a lot of that processing. But the two different bow hunters are the guys that don't care about tuning, and the guys. And there's even I don't know if it's don't care. I think it's knowledge. Yeah, they don't know. And for you, you have to make extra effort the way we hunt in South Africa to actually get an opportunity to walk and stalk, because most yeah, farms won't let that's you. what they offer. They offer mm. because it is more controlled. It's. You, there's less trust involved with the with the landowner, and I think also those weekend. Well, I mean, we've both been to farms where you get those weekend guys who go and get really drunk, and they're up to no good. Whereas me and you, yeah. we go to bed at nine, we're up at five, and we're off into the bush. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's up not at like, five, right? Six thirty, um, five thirty, four. <laughs> okay. Getting closer. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I think it, I think it is knowledge. You know, 
And there's nothing wrong with those dudes. We need them. No, 100%. Because they... They keep the farm alive. 100%. Without them, there's... If every farm... Walk and stalk. We don't kill enough to pay (laughs) for the farm. No. That's the thing. Everyone thinks, you know, everyone... The misconception of non-hunters of what I do. They think I walk into a garden, there's an Mm. impala, and I shoot it. Both me and you know we can walk 80 kilometers on a week. Sometimes we wish it was like that. (laughs) Sometimes we do, but... We can both know we can walk 80 kilometers in 36 degree heat, see near enough fuck all, and definitely not shoot anything. Yeah. Or, Over see a a weekend. Whole, or see a whole lot and not shoot anything. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and I, 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 that's why I find walk and stalk, and this is why I want to go to the trad side, because I have to get to 30. Mm. Like, I have to get to 30. That primeval feeling goes through the roof yeah. exponentially when yeah, you yeah, 100%. when you have a trad bow yeah because there's no i there's haven't got no shortcut key. no there's yeah. no shortcut key and yeah. i enjoy the stalk as much as i enjoy the shot oh, yeah. i've stalked animals that are way out of my price range just for the sake of stalking them i've done it plenty yeah like yeah. i know you do it all the time yeah. you take a shot trainer with you when you go up into the mountains yeah and if you see something <laughs> maybe you, we shouldn't mention that <laughs> yeah but you'll put a you'll put a stalk on it if you see something yeah and i think you know, that's the difference between the two hunters. Um, and as I said, all four of our group, all five including me, are all this very similar. <laughs> the pikey. The pikey, similar in that aspect. Richie's quite new to the whole bow hunting world, so he's not he's not fussed either way. But Richie's an abnormal human that will... He is so abnormal. And once he gets into walk and stalk, it's going to be oh, game over. phenomenal. He'll he's, walk the length of Africa. He, he's just going to click yeah. into it like... 100%. Yeah, I mean, be... he, he'll walk... He's He's a hyper extreme person. Yeah, you know I know. Mean? He'll be. Um, and he, you guys would have had an introduction to him because he will be the podcast before Dexter's. So, um, the this is the thing we. Because obviously you're moving to Australia and we've been talking about the huntable species. I was talk, listening to an Adam Greentree, um, Joe Rogan podcast. I didn't realize there was 27 species. Yeah, I'm not sure what those all are. I have no idea, but... I'm green. sure that includes, like, feral cats and <laughs> the but, neighbor's dog and things like that. But basically, everything you can hunt in Australia is, from my understanding, it's feral. As in, it's, been introdu- it's an introduced species, yeah. and you can hunt them all year round. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like your, I, I think, think different only- states have got different rules, but I think for the most part, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to make sure before I go do it. Yes, 100%. Don't just walk off into the bush. Yeah. And that bush is a whole different bush to ours. It's a dangerous place. Yeah, but I don't know how much of that is just perception. I no. mean, I know they've got the most poisonous snakes, they've got the most poisonous spiders, everything. But if you look at people's perception of Africa from outside of Africa, they've also got a pretty, like, Africa is ex- extreme. Yeah, but I think... And it is. It, I mean, it is. Look, I mean, I've come face to face with puff adders and all sorts yeah, of cool yeah. stuff. But Which still happen in Australia too. Well, not with the puff adder, but with something else. But I think the salties are the big problem out there. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're on the coast. So, yeah. A green tree, I remember watching a video on Green Tree's Instagram and he, you just see this tiny little snout in this tiny little pond of water and he goes, there's a big salty in there. Mate. Yeah. And he goes up and chucks a stick and this 18 foot <laughs> giant just appears from this puddle. And I'm like, oh my God. Look, I mean, I mean, like, we've got big cats, but the only big cat that actually kill a human, I mean, a leopard would, if it wasn't in a game farm. Is yeah, basic. unlikely. No, like, if it was starved and it didn't have any yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, it but could. if it's in a game farm. And they are there. I mean, I've been stalked by them. We we remember that, that situation where I, I had one follow me the whole way around the farm. 
It obviously seen me and went, don't know what that is, I'm out. But, you Probably know... heard your accent and I was just intrigued. Uh, yeah, 100%. What's this pike doing? Um, realistically, the only big cat that would actually attack a human is a lion. And we don't have them in our game farms. And this is moving on to... We're doing some. We haven't yeah. hunted in one, but some of them do. That one up uh, that August was talking about. Yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. Um, but again, it's how you approach it. I mean, I've come face to face with Cape Buffalo. Mm. And they're the killers of all killers. Mm. You know, that, and... I chucked a rock at one's forehead and it ran away. I don't know how I got away with that. Um, I should be dead. Um, but So for me, it's one of those, those situations whereby this is moving on to South Africa and what people's perceptions of South Africa. I think Australia, once you get to the bush... It's owned by the Aboriginals. There's no fences. It's high, like it's oh yeah, just private, private just, farms, private land, yeah. But it's astronomically huge. Yeah, like some of the farms there, are, you know, you Mate, need a helicopter. It's a big country. You need helicopters. I didn't realize how big it was, and so I started actually like moving there, start working out distances. No, it's astronomical. Yeah, people yeah. are like, oh, I got a mate in uh, in Adelaide or something. You must go pop in and say hi. I'm like, yeah, that's like flying from Joburg to like Nairobi yes, to go 100%. say hi to your mate. Hundred <laughs> like, percent. Sure. I mean, if you watch these guys who. Move move cattle around they do four day cattle drives yeah, yeah. on a ranch do you yeah. know what I mean like it's crazy yeah. um, it's pretty cool it is very cool but so the perception of South Africa and I hear it a lot with yeah, foreign podcasts i.e. Joe and other people is the perception of our high fence yeah. why, why it exists you know and I it annoys me and both doesn't annoy me because they don't know. They haven't yeah, been here. Yeah. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people that have been here have been put in a shitty situation. They've come here, been locked in a hide. Mm. And as me and you know, that's not hunting. It's yeah. hunting and it's, it's sustainment, it's conservation and it feeds the economy and blah, 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 blah. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not hating on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't prefer to do it, but no, I will. I will. Both of us have been in a situation mm. where like, we've been at a farm for four days, working our asses off, got nothing, like, let's go sit in a hide. Or the terrain isn't like doesn't lend itself to being able to, even if you ultra ninja, you're not yeah. going to get close to anything. Yeah. No. So for me, it's kind of one of those situations where hides are a necessity. And they do it in sitting in a tree in the woods next to a scrape with a load of acorns on the ground it's not much different yeah that's not to same, sitting same in a hive thing, yeah. you know so the Ameri- and we don't have the time like if no. you if you had unlimited time you weren't doing a job and you know you could just spend weeks until you came right but most of the time it's a weekend or a long mm, weekend that you got you got limited time especially 100%. if it's a property that you don't know and i mean these properties are big yes they're high fence but they're huge yeah. And you need to pattern the animals. You need to spend time there, get to know where they like to hang out. Mm. You just go walking in there. It's going to take you a long time and that to shit changes, f- figure it out. That changes, like, seems, seems like week to week. Yeah. You know, I'll go hunt a farm, get really familiar with the farm. And as I said, some of these farms are astronomically big. Mm. You know, the, the Americans have this whole, oh, it needs to be, yeah, cool. We don't have public land. The reason we don't have public land is because everything would be dead. I think 100%. That, what's his name from Blood Origins? He was talking yeah. about it that back in the early 90s or, or early 80s, it was 57,000 head of game. Wow. Something, 50 something odd thousand head of game in yeah. South Africa. I know farms with 50,000 head of game. Yeah, yeah. Like, we wouldn't have anything. We'd have the same problem as we have in Mozambique. We'd have the same problem as anything. We don't have high fence mm. neighboring countries. To no, us. If, you, if you look at a map of South Africa and you look at where all the national parks or the nature reserves are, mm. it's tiny, mate. It's yeah. tiny. That would be the only wild land we've got. But you drive around, 
you know, out of the cities, and it's game farm after game mm. farm after game farm with, you know, the, the, apart from the animals, the biodiversity that that supports in terms of your insects, your amphibians, your plant life, your birds, your everything, they would all be gone. Yep. That's like, wouldn't exist. It would be barren land. If there was no hunting. Yep. That's, but now you've got all this like thriving ecosystem just because every now and again someone comes in and takes out an animal. Mm. Uh, if it know, wasn't for that, it would only be those small isolated pockets of national parks and, and nature reserves. And we, we're blessed in the country that, like Joe Rogan that lot say it a lot in their podcast, they turn around and they say, you know, you can't, not everyone can hunt. Mm. Whereas in South Africa, everyone can hunt because they could breed more animals, put more animals, but yeah. like the thing is, <clears throat> the, the, there is a point and we're, we're gifted with species. I mean, our species list is unbelievable. That is the saddest part of, of leaving Africa for me is the... Is the species Yeah, because yeah. it's just, you're never going to replicate I mean, that anyway. It's like, if you look at 20... You can walk out in a day and you just got no idea what's going to happen and what you're going to see. It's just... 100%. So cool. And I think... I like I, That's what I like about South Africa so much. And I think you are spoiled. Um, and it... It's a much of a muchness, isn't it? When you're so used to something, like, I can't wait to come and hunt Australia with you mm. and do a water buffalo and pigs in the wild yeah, like, yeah. and be in the bush. It's going to be there. a different adventure. A hundred percent. I don't know that I'd give the one up. I'd, I wouldn't give African hunting up for that. No. But it is a, at least the, where I'm going, there is going to be those opportunities. But yeah, I'll definitely still no, I mean, be coming that, back here because there's nothing that's replacing this. <laughs> that's the thing. You can, you know, you get these guys who go up into the mountains and do backcountry hunting. and That I want to do. I'd that love I, to do an that elk. I, that I miss that we can't do Yeah, I'd love to go do an elk. Just disappear in the mountains mm. for like two oh, weeks yeah. backpacking. That looks awesome. I'd love to do it um, because of the adventure of it. Mm. Not necessarily for the elk. But, but none yeah. of it's really for the... The it's animal. all about that adventure. That's the, that's the whole I point. mean, a lot of so many of my absolute best bow hunting like memories and moments that I've had have had nothing to do with a kill. No, it's like just little moments in the bush that just mm. like blow your mind, and mm. you don't even get a shot. You don't even get drawn back. And it's, no, it's just like wow. Yeah, like you leave the bush like wow. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so cool. cool. Like all the last the last couple of animals I've hit, like every time there's just been this monster storm rolling in behind me. Like it's weird. Mm. It's happened quite a few times to me. It happened with that big kudu last year or the year before. It happened with this big... Roll Every time I take it like a Roland War big animal, it just seems to be this oh, monster cool. thunderstorm. <laughs> and, you know, you like the stuff you have and having a bunch... I don't... I, I very rarely hunt with friends. I literally will hunt with you guys. That was mm. it. That's it. Um, I've been actually with Travis as well, who will also be on the podcast at some point. But you can't really, like... I like people, being by myself. Yeah, but, but like... People always want to go like walking with you, but it's so difficult. But me and you have it's, tried it. It's so it's, hard. Yeah, it's, it's hard enough with one person. And I think going like two up doesn't halve your chances. It like lessens them by like four times or yeah. something because it's so much more difficult. I think you could perfect it. Like if you spent a lot, like Warren and Rourke do it really well together Yeah, because they've done it so much yeah. and they understand each other's movements. And I think it's one of those things you could do if you've got a hunting buddy and you spent yeah. a lot of time in 100%, the bush. Yeah. And Colette and I were getting good together. Yes. Like our hand signs and everything, that whole like system of working yes. together was getting really good. Uh, but it is a ball late when we... But she listens, you don't. So that's the yeah. problem with that. This is true. I say she listens. <laughs> She's your wife. She listens. You, you, 
you do as you do as you're told. Yeah, I do. She listens. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, I think like the conception of she's Africa. actually got me into bow hunting. To come back to that story. Oh yes. So how did you get into bow hunting? Yeah. So she's. I mean, she's like a. She's biologically a carnivore because she's. Uh, I think you know she's allergic to salicylates, which is in just about every plant-based food. And her and I were still dating, and we were visiting friends in like a big golf estate. And there's uh, little bunny rabbits like bouncing around all over the golf course, and she looks out the window and she goes, "Bunnies! I want to eat it." <laughs> I'm like, wow, I think I might be in love. <laughs> so I, I mean, I've still to this day, I've never been rifle hunting, but, you know, like growing up in the bush, I had killed rabbits and mm. chickens and mm. things like that and skinned. And we used to like live on my mate's farm, just like with our air rifles and live off um, shooting doves and yeah. living in the bush for, for the weekends and things. So I had gutted and skinned and I was telling her about it, and because she's basically a carnivore, she thought she had to experience that. Yeah. You know, the whole process of obtaining meat. She wanted to f- experience what Understand it's like it. to actually take a life, process it, be able to cook it, and then eat it. Mm. Um, and then we started, we started looking at getting in like a small caliber rifle or something, just so that she could have that experience of doing it once. She yeah. just wanted to do it once, you mm. know, because she felt like she should. And then, um, yeah, I was just somehow ended up actually from coincidentally seeing a Cameron Haynes um, video on YouTube because I always, I always also always had the impression that bow hunting was out of a hide so it never really appealed to me mm. it appealed to me back in the day and then I looked into it and it was all out of a hide mm. and I thought nah I lost interest in it a bit but saw his video and saw the adventure that he was on I was like oh geez okay so there is another side of bow hunting like that looks cool mm. and then we you know we would then she bought into it and we're like, okay, that's the way we're going to do it. Because also you got the added bonus of doing archery. Yes. You know, it's not just the hunting part. You, when you're training, you're doing archery, which is its own epic sport and activity <sighs> and Zen meditation. The devil. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> and then we went and bought our bows and we practiced. We said we're going to practice for a whole year before we go fling an arrow at something. And we practiced for our year and then yeah, and then we went on our first hunt and on Doc's farm, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then that's flipping how it started. It just snowballed from there. <laughs> so is that where you met Doc? Is that how you became yes. friends with Doc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Doc's an interesting character. I don't know if I can have him on a podcast because he's just ruthless, but <laughs> Doc, Doc is... Um, Doc's story is incredible. Yeah. Like, to listen to him talk would be incredible for an hour because... Every time I'm with him, he's like, this is the next thing. I mean, this man's... He's done it all. I mean, he I, was the first person to ever shoot the big five with a handgun pre-99. Yeah, and with a bow. Well, he's the reason bows basically made legal yeah, in Africa, because yeah, yeah. he proved the lethality of a exactly. bow. Exactly, yeah. Um, Doc would be an interesting one. The problem is he... he me and him, a butt heads twenty four seven, But more, <laughs> more, than, more than anything... Um, I just don't know if stuff, all the stuff he says, it could be put out into the world. There'd be a lot of editing without getting arrested. That man over there would get real tired. Um, yeah, I don't know. Which is a lot coming from you. Yeah, from me. You know, if I say shit, this man, you don't want to introduce yeah, him to anyone. But he is a legend. I mean, it's like yeah. the stuff he's done, and all before social media you know like no i mean he used to hand write letters to fred bear and exchange mm. information and mm. get advice and he was building his own bows and 
filling arrows up with sand and yeah. putting shafts inside other shafts to make them stiffer. And I mean, he was yeah. pioneering a lot of stuff in Africa where there wasn't... There wasn't anything. Yeah, there was nothing Everyone going was, on. Africa pre-bow was rifle. 100%. Rifle, yeah. rifle, rifle, rifle. And rifle. big rifles. You yeah, know, yeah. Like you'd come fucking huge... Bow. Come on, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, they only... I think they've just legalized Russia now, haven't they? Well, pre... Well, I mean, okay, let's get off that subject. Um... <laughs> Move away from Russia. Yeah. <laughs> but they just, I know they just opened up Russia to bows because okay. everyone had this theory that a bow is not deadly. Now, I've shot. Until you've experienced one, you would think you'd understand where they get that perception from. Yeah. yeah I mean, it just looks yeah. like a piece of string. Yeah, yeah. Especially like me moving into the trad world. I'm like, how are these things coming from a compound? Yeah. Knowing how deadly a compound is. Like, I, and I shoot a lower poundage than you. You shoot, mm. you know, 30 pounds heavier than me at some point mm. in your life. And for me, I'm like, how's a trad bow going to kill? And I've shot a lot of things with rifles and guns mm. in my life, like a lot of stuff. Um, so I understand the lethality of a rifle. Mm. So even when I went across the boat and then to see, you know, a 56 inch kudu and my arrow go zoop and get stuck in a tree behind it. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's something to this. There's more to it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm a, I've always been like a bit of an anal broadhead guy, like. You know, when it comes to sharpening. No, not you, James. Sharpening and m moving around with broadhead. So, um, yeah. I'd love to know how many hours of my life I've spent on the phone with you talking about broadheads. Yeah. Or Fletchers. Yeah. Fletchers and broadheads and arrow trajectory. And, oh, my God. We've, we've had some mad conversations. We could have that conversation on a podcast. There'd be four people on earth that would listen to it. <laughs> And there'd be other people like us. That would be it. It would be the least successful podcast ever. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that are as psycho about it as we are. Yeah, but I mean, there's also crazy podcasts now that people do talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've had some mad conversations. Mm. Absolutely mad. And I'm still not 100% sure. I think this is the thing with archery. If, you know, like the whole doing tough stuff, like it's repeated over and over again amongst groups of men. Mm. Like, and for me, like, Jiu-Jitsu is one of them that I looked at and unfortunately due to injuries and stuff, I just can't participate. I, my, and I don't, I, I don't want to be half into it. Mm. Um, but I understand why a lot of Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, runners and get they, completely into this bow hunting yeah. thing because I'm, I'm, I will bow hunt till the day I can't bow hunt. Yeah, 100%. Like I can't not, like now sit here talking to you. All I want to do is get in a car and drive to a farm. <laughs> And I know I can't really, I was meant to be hunting round about now and then I can't and then I've got to be hunting in December. Yeah. But, you know, for me, everyone says, why do you work so hard, James? And my first answer always, obviously family, mm. but it's freedom. Like for me, the freedom to do whatever the hell I want when I want. And if that was the, what I want to do all the time is be in the mm. bush. If I could hunt a week every month, I would. Jeez, 100%. Every single month. That's yeah, where I, I want to get my companies and enough money together where I can literally sort mm, off for four days. Mm. And if I landed a shit ton of money, I would get a helicopter license, buy a farm in Tamazimbia, and you'd never see me. Mm. Like, that's my... Mm. I'm not... For me, this city life is just making money. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's yeah. what it's about for mm. me. I find no more solace. It's like, it's this is paying for arrows. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like I talk to people about it and they don't understand it, especially non-hunters, especially and even anti-hunters. I'm like, it's nothing to do with just the hunting. Mm. Like I almost, I don't, 
this whole, you know, American way, there's a lot of Americanized to being like happy and like, I don't feel like that when I kill an animal. I don't know, like, per, in my personal opinion, I don't do this whole celebration. No, thing. I also found it weird when like guys are really going over the top, like, yeah, yeah, come on. Like, I've, never, I've never understood it. The moment is so different to that. It's and like, everyone, yeah. everyone's entitled to their own reaction. Mm. And it's also a cultural thing. Mm. I was raised, when you kill an animal, it's a respect thing. You know, I went and sat with my kudu and most animals for 10 minutes before I try and ring someone in or call someone in if mm. I've got a radio. Like, it's just a moment that, it's a memory. Mm. You know, you c the only thing we have in our life to remember is our memories. Mm. We don't, time is, ne time is yeah, inevitable. 100%, but you can't, yeah. you can take and any, everything else can be taken away. Everything yeah. can be taken away from me. I mean, mm. theoretically, your memories can be taken away from you. But to the point of, you know, it's solace. It's my place. When I'm in the mm. bushes where I'm happy, my phone's off. I don't, like, every day, you know, I, I don't have enough time. I, I've got too much going on and stresses mm. and blah, blah, blah. That just goes, gone. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's gone. Yeah. You know? You also, you can't think about it, which I think a lot of sports that do give you that absolute break are activities that... Are difficult. Are difficult because you have to be all in. Yeah, you can't. You can't be thinking about something else. Jiu Jitsu, you because you're going to get your neck broken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the things that give you that ready, like feeling of like break and release, are mm. things that engage you 100. percent And you have to be all in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, it makes sense. And I think that's why a lot of guys, you know, and the guys I'm going to be speaking in this podcast are all those guys, mm. you know. We've got guys, we're going to have all walks of life. We're going to have my friends who are bow hunters. We're going to have friends who I respect. And, you know, I've got special forces guys that are going to be coming on. And, like, so many cool guys. But the whole aspect of this was what what makes, what drives people that I respect. Mm. And that's the thing I always, I'm always curious. And then I understand with you because we have exactly the same love for mm. something. Mm. So I don't have to understand. Yeah, it. you really get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of kids out there. And this is the thing I thought, if I did this podcast with the people I'm going to do it and talk about the stuff I talk about, and I'd listen to it when I was 21, would I maybe done something else? Oh, wow. That's what I think yeah, to yeah. myself. You know, like the aim of my company, mm. the holster company was to better train, better equip, not train necessarily, but understand you need training and equip and educate, you know, a certain aspect of making a civilian a better human mm. to defend themselves. The podcast is aimed at speaking to individuals and also like the, eventually it will get to a point where this stuff reaches overseas and mm. some guys go, Okay, so that hunting in South Africa actually sounds quite cool. It's yeah. not what we've heard about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if yeah. they want to reach out to me and put you in the right direction with the yeah. right people, I'll do that. Yeah. And so for me, it's kind of like one of those things whereby it's about changing opinions and knowledge and understanding what makes people that I respect. Because there's a lot of people I don't respect because mm. they don't do fuck all. Yeah. There's nothing they do that I go, oh, that's not hard. Yeah, well, I would have loved to get into bow hunting earlier. Oh, yeah. 100%. Had I been exposed to it earlier, 100%. I would have been in there thick. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I think, I mean, you've always been that way inclined. You know, you've always been you'd, from the rock climbing and, you know, doing all mm. of that. You've always enjoyed, 
I think for you, it's not as much the archery, the bow hunting. It was the outdoors that mm. kind of pushed you that direction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're an outdoorsy guy. Yeah. And the same as me, like when I was, you know, my ex-girlfriend, I spent a long time on the farm with in the UK and we'd shoot and every weekend I'd try and be at her house shooting shotguns and mm. like just, it was, I like the outdoor, as much as I look like the biggest city boy mm. there ever has been. Well, you are naturally camoed, so I mean, that's I mean, here, also, I yeah, that's I'm basically, I'm very helpful. Yeah. I'm, saves a fortune on an expensive kit. It does. Although I want to get some. <laughs> Although you spend the money anyway. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Talking of, the new bows um, have just been released this year. The RX-8 is great. They haven't done fuck all. Well done. Good job, Hoyt. Lovely. You say that. Yeah, it's changed it a little I bit. I disagree. Your bow, you're shooting the Ventum Pro. Pro, yeah. Which basically looks like the new, is it the Atlas? No, it's not the Atlas. What's the new Hoyt? I don't pay attention to Hoyt anymore. I've just walked away from Hoyt. I love Hoyt, but I don't, like. What is the new one called? I can't remember. I know Matthews is the lift. Yeah. And then it's gone back to Mac 30. Okay, let's pretend we know what the new Hoyt's got. Let's move on. Yeah, you're <laughs> a Hoyt guy. We really should. Yeah. You're a Hoyt guy, so you should. Not me. I just struck a blank. Yeah. Obviously, the RX-8 is a really easy one because yeah. you've got RX-3, RX-4. RX <laughs> Latest iterations, 8. Yeah. Um, I'd have to feel it because my problem with the RX, the RX-7 because I, I remember I had my headset on one. Yeah, I know. If anyone doesn't know, um, James has a tendency to... Oh, mate, you've been through so many bows. Uh, yeah, well, it's not my fault. Sometimes the back of the bucky stays open and they head, head down yeah, the highway. Yeah, that is your fault. It is. But that's only also one of them. Yeah, fair. Yeah. All right, look, I like bows. Mm. I mean, I put up an Instagram story yesterday saying, and don't get me wrong, my PSE levitate, I fucking love. I love that thing. Yeah. I don't love it anymore. Um, you think the new one's sexier? It's just a little bit look nicer looking. I don't think so. Do you not? No. Okay. But I do. I. So the le the the Matthews lift, <laughs> the aluminium one. Yeah. Weighs the same. I know. As the That's fucking crazy. carbon bow. Yeah. And for me, I I've always loved Matthews. Mm. I just don't want an Ali bow ever again. For weight. The weight. Uh... Because I mean, I was at Safari Outdoor yesterday speaking about guns. And I was looking at, remember I sent you a picture of that mm. Savage with yeah, the yeah. QU? The 2.0. <laughs> and then we were talking about guns and he gave me the Benelli Pudo or something it's called. And it's just the most light, ridiculously light rifle you've ever seen in your life. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I like this. Because, again. It doesn't make sense for everything, though. If you're walking around in the African bush in the middle of the summer, I'd, I'd take an inch off my penis if I could. Just to save a bit of weight. And be left with nothing? Oh, shit. <laughs> What's good, guys? So for this week's episode uh, with Dexter, the discount code is going to be one inch off. Uh, we'll give you 10% off for seven days. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. Please like, subscribe. Um, it does me a world of favors. Comment. Um, and yeah. Thank you very much for the support so far, and uh, it's the future. Becca. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like for me, it's kind of like, you know what it's like out there in summer. It's horrendous. Yeah, but, but lighter also... bows have, that's that's what I think what makes bow hunting and archery so intriguing is because there is no There's right no and right wrong. 
there's every single little thing's a trade-off. So mm. yes, light sounds great, but there's trade-offs for going 100%. light. So it's like hundred percent. You can. It's always making small little adjustments either side of something and weighing up the pros and cons. And but, also, what are you? Six foot three, fucking hundred kilos. Like you, you're a different human to me. Yeah, I'm sixty-three kilos soaking wet, which also doesn't make for the best walk and stalk. By the way, yeah, you are. But I don't. You move it's, really well in the bush. It's for difficult a big to man. sneak. I'm built for bow hunting. For the first time in my entire existence of life, being 63 kilos, I can stop and go sideways and the animal will stare at me and think yeah. I'm a tree. So I don't like, like I said, hunting two up is so difficult. And most of the time I try and get to farms that will let me just walk completely by myself. Yeah. But the one day I was on this farm, I was actually traveling for work and I had my bow with me. And um, so they, they didn't know me. So they sent me with a tracker. And this guy's obviously used to rifle hunting, not bow hunting. So he's got a, not taking it very seriously. And I'm in full stealth, you know, like creeping around and I'm crouched down. Because also I'm freaking so much taller than the browse line. Mm. So for me to see anything, I have to be so far down so that I can actually see. Otherwise I'm just looking into the trees. 100%. And um, so I'm crouched over and I'm stalking around and I see Wildebeest and I turn to tell this, I can tell him to get down. (laughs) And I turn to look at him, I'm all bent over and I go, and I'm actually still looking down at him. <laughs> he's still, he's still, still short to the I'm like, okay, don't worry. You're don't fine. worry. You stay there. <laughs> You're good. Your height is great. He's like stood dead up straight, like no problems. Yeah. No, the, I, I, I seen you move in the bush and I was like, I don't understand how a man this big moves that quietly. It doesn't make it sense. It takes some extra effort. Uh, yeah, you I do a lot to, of crawling and... You get down a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something you've done most of your life. Um... <laughs> So <laughs> you'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think the new bows are out. So I'm changing my bow because it's just what I do. But I don't think I'm going to because I've got the, I'm getting the Hoyt Satori. And going, I'm not a fan of changing bows so often. Yeah, I know. Like I get a bow and it takes so long to get that thing perfect, perfect, and you to be tuned in with it mm. and to get the bow tuned properly and everything set up. Like I don't want to have to do that every year. It's like. You've changed your bow twice since I've known you. Actually, no, once, but you got a lone bow for a little bit, so it was twice. Uh, that's you had different. The elite. Yeah, that was different. Yeah, but, but I, I think I you've bought only changed the bear. Your... I bought the bear. It was yeah. my first bow. Then you had the Hoy. Then the um, Helix Ultra. And, then and now the Benton, Benton Pro. Pro yeah. Yeah. So I keep them for like a long... Whereas I've had... Uh, yeah, let's not start... <laughs> I don't know. Let's not start. Um, but yeah, I'm going down the trad world because Warren. Which was like, is rare for someone that actually puts effort into getting their bow set up properly. Yeah, it's a lot of Because a lot of those guys just, you know, paper t- tune out of five yards and there they go, mm. which you don't. Mm. Which, if you are changing bows all the time, it's a, a lot of those guys, it's a pain, man. I actually really like my PSC. Like, they would have to. The Matthews to me is so nice. And Matthews has always been nice to me. For the reason that everything fits together and looks nice. They are nice. Like, they but I don't nice. run a stabilizer. I don't, I run a bare bow. Mm. And pros and cons. No, 100%. Everything's mm. pros and cons. Don't get me wrong. I do mm. it for my reasons. Exactly. And, and I've, learned, you. I've yeah. learned to shoot that way. Yeah, yeah. I would actually say running two stabilizers is going to always be far superior for shooting ability. Yes, yeah. But I can't walk with that weight mm. in the bush all day. And this is where I went across to Carbon is when mm. I had my Ventum and I loved my Ventum. My Ventum mm. was a brilliant bow. But I'd been walking all day, come across a zebra at 67 yards, which is a fucking big target mm. and an easy shot for me. 
put went to full draw, looked at the thing, and my dot's going, yay, yay, yay. Like, I'm like, I'm worn out. Mm. I can't hold this bow up. Mm. So I went... That was the day after I returned and I said, cool, I'm getting a fucking carbon bow. Mm. And then I had full, like, RX-7. I'm yeah, getting the no, RX-7. Yeah. That was it. That was, yeah. that was done in my head. I'm getting an RX-7. Yeah. I turned up to Magnum. And it was heavier. Than, yeah. It didn't make sense. I don't, I don't like, get that. The RX-7 yeah. weighed like 0.4 kilos yeah. lighter than my bone I was like well, I so the only benefit then would be that it's warm to the touch which we really don't bother with yeah because it's always I mean that's <laughs> yeah. a bad day in Africa right there that's a bad day yeah. this is a lovely day to go walking and stalking in um, so yeah so and then I picked up the levitate and it literally says what it does on the mm. box it's like whoop I was like oh shit no it is it's super light and yeah. I never wanted to go back to PSE because I've already blown one of them up yeah so you know and that was probably my fault um more than likely. I mean, I didn't check my arrow and it blew up in the bow and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the bow blew up. And that was just before a hunt, if you remember. Then I had to go get the cure. <laughs> and I went hunt with the cure. And then just before I hunt, the cure went out the back of the bucky. So I had to go. <laughs> yeah, I've lost track. Huh? Yeah. You've been through so many. But the rest of the, mus- the rest, of, apart from Richie, the rest of the musketeers are the same. Rourke and Warren are fucking terrible. They, they're, yeah. They're the same as me. They are the same as you. But yeah, Rich, Richie doesn't care. And, <laughs> Richie yes. doesn't care. Warren is because of his brother. He watches his brother and his brother's even worse than me. Okay. Like his brother's just like, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, yeah. He's also got the bucks to back A hundred percent. I haven't really got the bucks. I've been shouted at more times than I can count. Um, so, yeah, I uh, the new bows are out. So I'm looking forward to going and having a look at them. Um, I'm probably not going to change because as I said, I'm getting the Satori which I've got to pay for still, which is uh, Magnum. Um, at some point, I'm also gonna think I'm going to have Seppi on here because in the Yeah, bo- they got a cool new shop, eh? This, have you been there? Yeah, I went so there the day before yesterday sick. to go say goodbye. This fly flying around the studio is really annoying me. I think yeah. in future, I need to shut those windows and I need to put myself an aircon vent through. Chris looks like he's about to die of heat stroke. Well, it's, I was sweating my ass off when we got in here, but we had just been carrying... <laughs> a generator. <laughs> yeah. Joe Rogan doesn't need to carry generators. <laughs> I'm not that happy. That is an African-specific problem. Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> but there is now a generator downstairs. All we've got to do is make it work. Um, yeah. So we, pre-podcast, we got here. Chris messages me as we pull up outside and he says, James, the power's off. And I was like, sick. So we go back to my house, which is only five minutes away from this secret location, and get a generator, get it here. All three of us are sweating our royal testes <laughs> off trying to get this thing started. And then... The caretaker of the property goes, power's back on, guys. I'm like, sick. And then we come up here and record this. Quickly, let's get it yes, done. Get it done. Um, my boy, I'm going to miss you, hey? Yeah, man, me too. I never thought I'd say that to you, I must be honest. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's still WhatsApp. Yeah. I can still call you, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Not if I block you. <laughs> yeah, true. It's true. Um, but Australia, I, we, I hope you enjoy your travel. I know then. I know this week's been mental for you, so thank you for fitting this in. And I also understand that you're leaving pre the wife leaving and stuff, so you've got a, you're going to be hitting the ground Monday and working Tuesday. Mm. And mental life coming up for you, but it's a good change. I mean, me and you speak a lot about our personal stuff, and I think it's a great change for you, yeah. the wife and the kids. And yeah. I know you're going to miss Africa because mainly what we've just discussed. Yeah, and obviously your parents are still here, but yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a good No, year. it is going to be good. And you're going to come visit when they go run 100%. around the outback a little bit together. 
Years. I'm not getting eaten by a salty. If I get smashed by a salty on my first outback trip, I'll be annoyed. Because I've spent a lot of time in the African bush and I've avoided getting smashed by anything. And let's be honest, I'm a, I'm a bite-sized meal for a leopard. I'm surprised that leopard didn't just go, om nom nom. Like, so, yeah, don't, I don't want to go anywhere. Basically, you have to have been there before I go. Um, and it takes all the adventure out of it. Yeah, but you can also tell me if something's going to kill me. Um, and yeah, we need to sort out some sort of aircon and window situation in here, Chris. But guys, this is what the studio looks like now. Yeah, it's cool. Well then, it is, it's very well. yeah, it's very from cool. what it looked like last week to get it to this is yeah. like impressive. Yeah, yeah, no, it is really well cool. done. And um, Chris's space. We'll talk about Chris's space more on the podcast when it's up and running and stuff. And um, for anyone that's into his side of the world, yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm going to miss you. I hope you safe travels. Uh, I'm going to see you tomorrow morning. So this isn't a final goodbye. It's a pretend final goodbye. Ah, I see. Um, Are you coming tomorrow? Yeah, I'm actually missing range day for you. You didn't say. I was supposed to smell that. Well, why the fuck would I ever miss saying goodbye to my mate? <laughs> you know, you should know my priorities in life. Oh, A lot okay. of people in that group are like, no, I can't make it. I'm like, well, you're a shit fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> But safe travels. Um, I'll have you on Thanks, again mate. when you're back, when we yeah. hit the African bush in a couple of years together. Yeah. When you're back for Christmas one day. Cool. Much love. Peace out. Thanks, mate.